ahead. Spoilers ahead. Hello, folks. How you doing? Glad to hear it. All righty then. This week on Max Mike Movies, we continue our series "Drawn Apart" with the 1994 Jim Carrey vehicle, The Mask. We're talking about movies that mix and match live action with animation, and this movie is interesting an interesting fit for our series. Technically, all the characters are live actors, but there's some animation enhancement for, well, three of them. Would you like animation the... enhancement? Click here. <laughs> oh, God, another one of those emails? No. <laughs> click, like, click, like, click, like, click. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Fire Marshal Max, and sitting high atop a pile of mince pies is our other host, Mike Ventura, Pet Defective. <laughs> I like that, Mike Ventura. I might I have to keep that. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, I'm sorry, but you sound, you sound like a porn star. And? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, excuse but for, me, you haven't introduced Bumpy. Oh, nor will I ever. <laughs> <laughs> and Bumpy the Wonder Pony. <clears throat> <laughs> if he says one whinny, <clears throat> I hear a snort out of that thing. It's He's going to be dog food. You're just jealous. <laughs> I'm not jealous. Ever since he started subscribing to Main and Tail and gets himself quaffed every day, you're just jealous. Looks like a looks like a damn dandy. <laughs> Who the heck rats his own tail? Just anyway, business, business. Forget the horse, business. <laughs> yes, of course. We have our website, MaxMikeMovies.com, where you can see our entire back catalog of shows, all in. Near mint condition, carefully bagged, carefully bagged and boarded. Uh, you can also, of course, find us on the social medias, on the Facebooks and the, the Twitters with at Max Mike Movies. You can find us on Spotify under Max Mike Movies, and you, of course, you can find us on your favorite podcast app, preferably the Google Podcast app or the Apple iTunes Podcast app, and. Should you have any pearls of wisdom or swines of wisdom to drop our way, feel free to email us at us, that's literally U.S., like, like, America, at MaxMikeMovies.com. Not at all like that. (laughs) Very almost exactly like that. Oh, the mask. Well, we we got us some trivia. The show. The budget of this movie... This, first of all, this I do want to say, this was an unusual sort of movie for um, Jim Carrey. In 1994, he was in three movies, all of which became massive hits. But because this one hadn't come out, or the others hadn't come out yet, he got like 400 grand for doing this. Oops. Yeah. Well, that... that Hmm? To be fair, yeah, the third movie actually didn't come out till 95, but he was making it in 94. Okay. Yeah, I, it's hard to feel bad for him because <laughs> after 94, I believe his standard price for a movie was $20 million. Uh, did you feel bad for him? I did not. Good, neither did uh, I. The budget for this was $23 million. The worldwide gross was $120 million. Is that all you found? That's what I found. Because I found that it was all time around the world was uh, three hundred fifty. That may, I, yeah, this was 120 oh, million oh, was 120, the first year. That's domestically. No, that's the oh, US. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. I had to go oh, looking okay. for it. I was kind of interested. I, I, I took your job. I took your yeah. job. <laughs> you took my 
did. Uh, and I was like, it made how much? Oh, cripes. Yeah, okay. It, it made a pant load of cash. Yeah. We'll talk. And uh, of course, this, this, everyone began streaking for a sequel. We'll get to that. That, hmm. that is an interesting issue. Uh, this movie is based on a Dark Horse comic book of the same name. Dark Horse, you know, is a comic company that is probably best known, correct, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, probably best known for Hellboy. Probably. Yeah, I mean, they have a bunch of others, the Mystery Men, uh, I'm out, but there are others. <laughs> they didn't do Flaming Carrot, did they? Uh, they probably have at some point. Originally, it was Aardvark Vanaheim, and then it was, uh, did Eclipse do it? Might have been Eclipse. Okay, yeah, but uh, Dark Horse absorbed a couple of those, didn't they? They print everything. Oh my uh, God, okay. Magnus! They reprinted <laughs> Magnus Robot Fighter. Oh uh, Lord, that I was think... that British. That was that English one from like the seventies. No, 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 no. Nope, it's no? a Gold Key comic. It's American. Um, it, it was one of the only comics I read when I was a kid. I had one issue mm. of Magnus Robot Fighter. Uh, Lost in Space comics. They reprinted those, which had nothing oh. to do with the TV show. Um, <laughs> they eventually also took up things like Nexus, but it could go on forever in Max's job. Yeah, yeah. Now, the thing is, uh, have you read, did you ever read The Mask? I was a, no. (laughs) I read a couple of issues of it, and uh, I can tell you, and IMDB agrees with me, the movie is nothing like the comic book. The comic book is really, really dark and really violent. And I don't mean cartoon violent, I mean like blood and guts and gore it's it, there were horror stories about how the mask would make people murder other people using cartoon antics aha uh-huh. uh, yeah now chuck russell the guy the director said that the movie started off in that tone before being completely transformed into a vehicle for jim carrey and his shall we say unique brand of comedy Russell also revealed that a lot of money was saved on special effects after they got Jim Carrey, because Carrey's body movements were so flexible and cartoonish, they didn't have to enhance a lot of them. (laughs) And it's true, if there is ever a person who looks like a human cartoon, it's Jim Carrey. And we'll get to that, too. Yes, we will. The oversized teeth on the mask character were originally only going to be used during silent scenes. But Jim Carrey learned to talk with them in to make his character that much more wacky. It worked. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the moments in the movie, particularly the ones with the dog, were ad-libbed. The scene where Milo won't let go of the Frisbee as Ipkiss <laughs> is trying to stash the money in his closet, that wasn't planned. That's not and, a surprise. <laughs> and Jim Carrey ad-libbed Ipkiss's frustration, his reaction to Milo not being able to run up the wall. Uh by the way, Jack Ru- Milo in the movie is a Jack Russell Terrier, and they can, in fact, jump up to five feet straight up. Um, excuse me, it's Jack Russell Terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just for the way people who visit them feel. Yeah, they he, he, are the, a oh. very high energy, very <laughs> intelligent dog. And, but, you know, we don't have to say too much more, but the yeah. dog... Uh, if you didn't know this, the dog's name is Max. Max. So oh, we're going to retitle sorry. the name of the show yeah. to Milo Mike Movies. But um, uh, one of the one of the best performing dogs I've ever seen in a film. Yeah, amazing. We actually see this dog unlock and open a car door. Yeah, like it's and nothing. That was that was not uh, animated. That wasn't digitally enhanced. The dog they trained the dog to do it. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bef- Cameron Diaz, this was her first role as <laughs> Tina in her first movie. Yeah. 
And uh, she wasn't. She was only cast. They were originally going to offer it to. And this would have made an interesting movie. Anna Nicole Smith. Okay. Yeah, there were a, and a bunch of other actresses, uh, like uh, Vanessa Williams, Jennifer Connelly, Christy Swanson, but. The director spotted Cameron Diaz coming out of a modeling agency and said, "Yeah, that's the one. That's who I want." Huh? Yeah, the studio didn't like this. They didn't want her because she she had never acted before. Really? And Rus- Russell was so convinced she would be the the perfect one. He said he'd walk off the picture if they didn't let him uh, cast her. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Okay. And it turned out to work pretty darn well. <laughs> Surprisingly. Everyone always associates uh, the image of the mask with that banana yellow zoot suit. Mm-hmm. Technically, he only wears it for about five minutes in the movie. Yeah, and the suit is that the the suit is actually based on a suit that Jim Carrey's mother made for him on his first attempt at stand-up comedy. <laughs> I was hoping he'd fail. So, I was would have paid to see that show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they did want to do a sequel. Uh, they wanted to do a Mask 2, but it was canceled after Jim Carrey declined to reprise the role, and who else could you cast? Oh. There was apparently even a contest from Nintendo Power Magazine where the first prize was a walk-on role in that movie, and in the final issue of Nintendo Power Magazine, they had to apologize to the winner of the contest. Now, while that sequel was not made... There was a movie in 2005, starring, I believe, Jamie Kennedy, who called Son of the Mask. Never heard of it. No, there's a reason. It bombed so hard. It also won that year's Razzie for Worst Actor and Worst Chemistry Between Leads. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I no, I've seen a couple of scenes from it, and I had to drink so much to blot out the memory. <laughs> Aim high, yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> Serious. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is also, in 2017, there, as I'm sure you all remember, there was a fan-made film, about as, which was close to the comic book. Mike, you remember that movie? Nope. Neither does anyone else. Ah. It, yeah. <laughs> it took about four hours to, put, to apply the mask makeup. Ooh. Hmm. Oh, there's a sequence where the police are searching the mask's pants. Yes. Uh, they they had the pants cut off at the knees, and prop guys were handing things <laughs> up through the pants to the police. Stunt pants, if you will. Yep, stunt <clears throat> pants. Stand-in pants. <laughs> the nightclub Coco Bongo, where a lot of the, ma- the movie takes place, uh, is also the name of a famous nightclub in Cancun. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when st- I didn't... Now, this one... I, I checked this, and it's true. In the movie, when Stanley wakes up from his dream, he has a dream sequence with uh, Cameron Diaz, who ends up licking his face, and he wakes up, and my, it's Milo licking his face. Right. Uh, if you, When the camera pulls back, you can see a freshly opened jar of peanut butter with a knife sticking out of it, visible on the nightstand. <laughs> that's, that's how they got the dog to lick his face. Uh the producer, there is a sequence in this called the Cuban Pete number, which we'll talk about. The producers hated it. They wanted it gone. They said it was too long. It was not funny. It dragged. But the test audiences loved it so much, they kept it in the movie. Huh. Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz did all their own dancing in the Hey Panchuco scene. Dang. 
Yeah, which is pretty impressive. The, Cameron, that is not, however, Cameron Diaz singing, mm. but it is Jim Carrey singing. Oh. He's, he's the one who sings Cuban Pete. Well, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he should start painting. Oh, that's right, he does. Apparently, according to Chuck Russell again, during some, one of the sequences, Jim Carrey would not go home until he did an Elvis impression. <laughs> okay. That's why it, there's just one thrown in there. He wouldn't leave. <laughs> now this, we know how to get Jim Carrey to leave. Yep. <laughs> Fine, do Elvis. Go home. <laughs> this is the first of, of over 10 Jim Carrey movies to reach $100 million domestically at the box office. There were other people who were considered for the character of The Mask. They were Matthew Broderick, Steve huh? Martin, yeah, Steve Martin, mm, little Rick, Mar- Rick Moranis, and nope. Martin Short. No, big no. Yeah, that would have been a totally different and probably not as good movie. No, I'm surprised that there's one name missing from that list, because there was only one, and we were going to get to this, but there's only one person I could think of that might, might have been able to pull this off, and I'm sure Ooh. you're thinking of the same person. Who are you thinking of? Robin Williams. Oh, yeah, he probably could have done it. Again, it would have been very different, but yeah, if there's another human cartoon, we saw that with the genie. Yeah. Uh, the, the movie was nominated for one Oscar for Best Visual Effects. It lost, however, to Forrest Gump. You know, and I can kind of see why. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, one slightly creepy aspect of this, at the time the film Carrie was 31 and Cameron Diaz was 21. It's a lot better than some of the Hollywood things. This is true. Uh, Apparently, and I have not seen this, but on the Blu-ray, DVD, whatever, there are a couple of deleted scenes. One of which um, I don't think is necessary. The other, I think, actually, it closes a small plot hole. Uh, One is just an opening with the Vikings coming to bury the mask on the shores of New York. (laughs) Like, like, Like they do. Well, of course, well, we they, don't have they, a sorry, looking, Edge City. We don't know what, where it is. It's called Edge City. Well, they they were looking for Norumbega. We know all about <laughs> that. That's a very deep, deep cup. Go ahead and look that yeah. up, folks. It's it's a real thing. It really sort of, is. Kind of. uh, there's also, oh, there was also a scene in the warehouse after the reporter, Peggy, turns Stanley over to Dorian. She asks mm-hmm. for a reward, and Dorian picks her up and throws her into the printing press with the newspaper printing out that shows her smashed face and says she died that night. Now, that scene was deleted because they were thinking if there was going to be a sequel, they wanted to bring Peggy back. It was also deemed a tad too dark by the in the test screenings. Yeah, okay. And there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, this movie's over 25 years old, and uh, Carrie's been interviewed about it a lot. But I think that that covers most of it. Yeah. Go ahead, plot time. <laughs> yeah, this this one, yeah, this is another one that's a little hard to sum up. Stanley Stanley Ipkiss, played by, you know, Jim Carrey, for those of you who are no longer surprised, is a <laughs> timid, repressed, cartoon-loving bank clerk in Edge City. He's the proverbial nice guy who finishes last. His only comforts are his best friend, Charlie, played by comedian Richard Jenny, yeah. uh, and his loving dog, Milo, and his old Warner Brothers cartoons. Picked on, bullied by most, Stanley is still a hopeless romantic and tries to do the light, right thing in his life. One evening, he accidentally stumbles upon a mysterious carved wooden mask. At night, Stanley tries on the mask and is transformed into a frenetic, indestructible creature called the Mask. <laughs> a kind of living cartoon who can force cartoon tropes into the real world. 
The mask casually robs banks, seeks cartoonish revenge, on, but non-lethally, on those who have wronged Stanley, and romances Stanley's crush, Tina, the nightclub singer played by Cameron Diaz, which puts him in the sights of cardboard cutout gangster Dorian, <laughs> not to mention a cranky police detective named Calloway. Otter. Played by Peter Rieger. Otter from Animal House, yes. <laughs> also, he played private, He played Igor for, in two episodes on MASH. According to his IMDb huh? page, he did. Must have been the really early it was, one. It was. Yeah, it was like in 77. Uh, hijinks ensue. Stanley gets caught, first by Dorian, who steals, steals the mask and uses it himself, and then by the police. After a dog-assisted escape, Stanley goes after Dorian in an attempt to get the mask away from the brutal crook and thus save the day, which he actually does. Hmm. Yeah, the, the end? The end. That's pretty much the movie. It leaves out a lot of detail, but that's the basic plot. Because the plot isn't really what's important in this movie. No. It's a, and now we'll get to that yep. after this brief pause. Yep. The Lowdown. Thank you. Sorry. Hope you enjoyed that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So, yeah, so... Uh, I, I saw the same information you did about the three movies in 94, and it turned out one of them actually didn't come out till not the end of 95, but he was making them all together, and they're kind of three big movies. Yeah. Uh, there's this, mm-hmm. there's Ace Ventura, yeah. and Dumb and Dumber. I think, did Ace Ventura come out first, or did this come out first? It No, this came out first. Okay. Um, that being said, I can't think of a better way to start a career, can you? Seriously. But of course, that's not the start of his career. Jim no, Carrey no, no. was doing movies for years. The first thing I ever saw him in was a really, a kind of embarrassingly bad teen sex supernatural comedy called Once Bitten. Oh. Yeah, did you ever see that? No. Is it a vampire one? Yes, it is. And the vampire is played by friggin' Lauren Bacall. <laughs> yes. And you're just sitting there going, wow, look at the colossal waste of talent in this movie. Wow. But he wasn't like a big star in that. Oh, was he? he was nobody. He was the star yeah. of the movie, but they were trying to make him a teen idol or something because huh? they couldn't figure out what to do with him. Huh? And of course, he did Living Color. Yep, he did Living Color. Yeah, he did a bunch. He did a bunch of TV. He played a bunch of uh, minor characters. Oh, he was also before this. He was in Earth Girls Are Easy. He was. You know, I've Whiplock. seen it once. Yeah, I, I, it didn't grab. It's one of those films uh, that I'm supposed to really like, and it didn't grab me. Me neither. I, I don't really like no. it. I mean, he's funny. Uh, who is it? I think Dave isn't Chappelle it, is in it, and uh, Je- Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis are in it. That's actually, I think, where their romance started. Okay. And and Ju- and Julie Brown, the real Julie Brown, is in it and right. actually sings a couple of songs. Yeah, uh, I do like um, Julie Brown. I do like. You just said her name, and I've already forgotten it. Um, oh, Gina, Jeff Dave, Goldblum, Gina Davis. Gina Davis. I like Gina Davis yeah. a lot. I don't think I've seen her in I even liked her in Cutthroat Island. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> a film that's not very good, but I like her. I liked her in um, uh, League of Their Own. <laughs> yeah, I loved her in League of Their Own. I mean, there's really nothing I don't like her in, and I wish we'd see more of her, because I think she's a really good actress. Um, Jeff Goldblum is Jeff Goldblum, and if you like Jeff Goldblum... Cool. Don't expect any range out of him, uh, <laughs> yeah. because that's not what he's there for. <laughs> yep, he he goes in and plays Jeff Goldblum. He's really good at yeah. playing Jeff Goldblum. But I want to say that this, while it wasn't his first work, this was his big splash. Yeah. Now this was this. 
and Ace Ventura no, was, and these Dumb were, and Dumber. I think the mask took a while to take off. Ace Ventura exploded out of the box office. And I remember seeing Ace Ventura when it kind of, although now you mention it, I'd have to go look it up because I do remember Mask coming out in the s- later in the year, and I remember seeing Ace Ventura when it was cold because I tricked one of uh, one of our friends into going to see. <laughs> you tricked one of them. <laughs> I did because we wanted to go see a movie, and it it was just a very depressing winter. It was very cold and gray, yeah. and I remember it just being bleh. And I wanted to go see a movie, and there was this movie that had a lot of talk about it, but it was getting blackballed left and right by the critics. And it was Ace Ventura, and it got an F, it got blackballed, zero stars, blah, blah, blah. Because the critics hated it, because it was so dumb. And I kind of wanted to see it, and I told a friend of ours, Libby, that, hey, I'm going to go see this film, it's, uh, it's supposed to be really funny, let's go. And when we're sitting there waiting for it to start, I said, okay, I have a confession. Uh, <laughs> the film we're about to watch got an F. And she's like, you took me to a movie that got an F? <laughs> like, yeah, but it's supposed to be. Uh, and then we saw Ace Ventura, and it was hilarious. Um, I remember you told me to go see it, and I went yeah. and saw it, and I was like, I am so embarrassed, for, I am so ashamed of myself that I cannot stop laughing at this thing. Because <laughs> it is, it's it's dumb, it's juvenile, it's puerile, and it's yep. hilarious. It's so damn funny. I felt the same way seeing Bill and Ted. I took myself to see that because I knew nobody else would go with me, and I loved it. <laughs> oh, I yeah, that's a great my movie, too. But, but so he's got this, he's got Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura, all of which, as you said, made ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, strangely, The Mask ended up being the most successful of those three. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it's Carrie's film. Um, it, there's other people in it, and that's nice. Yeah, there are other <laughs> very talented people in it. I, yeah. I mean, Amy Yazbeck's pretty good, and she's the uh, reporter Peggy. And uh, right. Cameron Diaz, considering it's her first film, and considering her character doesn't really have to do much other than look unbelievably gorgeous... I remember the first time I saw her in that movie, I was like, I was doing the Tex Avery cartoon wolf. Max is very pliable. I am. <laughs> and I enjoy hitting myself in the head with a mallet. I know, I, we got to get you to stop. Yeah, doing that. I, I do have to say, I mean, looking at it now, it's kind of creepy. The, the first time we see her when she walks into Ipkiss's bank, we, we the camera pans up her body and spends yeah. more time looking at her chest than her face. Yeah, there's a, yeah, the treatment of women in this film. I shouldn't be saying, no, the female reporter's fine. She's fine. But the way they, they treat Cameron Diaz's character is is literally a step back to the time when these cartoons were popular. And it's it's kind of gross. Yeah, it, it, um, it, I mean, the women in the movie either, except for the reporter, you know, there's either the shrewish landlady or, in effect, the femme fatale. And that's about right. it. Yeah, I Cameron Diaz, she one of the things I like about her, I really liked her in Charlie's Angels. Mm. She has this one of wonderful innocence and this wonderful playfulness. She has a great smile, and I don't mean that in a any kind of a sexually attractive way. I just think she has a great honest well, smile. Well, I'll tell you she it is sexually me. attractive, but it's also well, it looks like it she, when she smiles, she actually looks like she's happy. Yeah. Um I believe she is the big currently the big Hollywood actress who about five or six years ago said, yeah, I'm going to go spend time with my family and just stop making films. I think that's right. And I think she might've done some voice work, but that's about it. Yeah. Like she, I don't think she made an announcement or anything. I think she just like, yeah, I, I did this. It was fun, but you know, I have kids and I want to raise them and you know, just like Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why he did it. 
It is. Oh, it is. He actually yeah. made the conscious decision. Okay. Yep. He's like, yeah, you know what? Hollywood, honey, I shrunk the kids. I, I want to go and spend time with my family. So he's like, he literally retired. Yeah. Um, he's coming out of retirement because the kids are older now. And he's coming back for, honey, I made the kids bigger or uh, don't step in the kids. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad to see him back because Rick Moranis is very talented. Yeah. But, uh, uh, hmm? Richard Jenny, speaking of talent, he is a probably not a household name, which is no. a shame. I know him from one, I think it's an HBO special. Um, and we've been quoting him for years. Uh, we're cooking, we're baking, we're frying, we're poaching. It's breakfast. <laughs> God, God damn, damn it, get, get up. up. Uh, <laughs> He's talking about the Brady he, Bunch. Yeah. yeah, he is very underutilized in this movie. It's kind of a shame because, for one thing, he does an absolutely brilliant William Shatner. Um, he's right up there with uh, uh, Pollock. Yeah, Kevin uh, Pollock. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a very talented impressionist. He's a really funny stand-up. He's an okay actor. And I got to say, one, he's one of the nice things in this movie because he's Ipkiss's, he plays Ipkiss's best friend. And you're like, you know, everybody should have a best friend like this. He's well, very supportive. He's very, he's very kind, considering that Ipkiss is kind of a loser. Uh, he's very, I mean... He, it's a little overplayed it about how very much. Oh my! Overplayed. I, I took my car to the one gas station that tells people that they're cheating them, and I blah blah blah. I have okay. No ability to confront anyone on anything except sometimes I do, and I'm just yeah. too nice. And that whole yeah. thing about a oh, women don't. That was the other thing that pissed me off, and that's more of a. You know, this was 25 years ago. The idea of the nice guy, and although the nice guys who lament. Oh, women don't want nice guys. They all want the bad boys. They all want the guys who treat them badly. And what often turns out in these cases is these so-called nice guys, not really that nice. <laughs> yeah. They really aren't. They tend to... But that's a whole other thing. Ipkiss is very clearly played to be very nice. And Carrie is good at that. He's very likable. Yeah, he is. And he literally can mold his face into whatever you want. He, he um, really is like a living cartoon. It's amazing. He's got incredibly flexible features. His body is insanely flexible. Yeah. I just... <laughs> it, it really... The movie's his. And there's really not a lot of reason other than him to watch this. No. Um, I have a little backstory about this movie, if we, uh, if we, if we don't mind. And if you do mind, uh, Bumpy will take you out and pummel you. <laughs> I will put that horse in the ground. <laughs> now, Bumpy, don't get angry. Remember your blood pressure. So, in 19... Jam I want to say... pull through your back and make you into a merry-go-round ride. <laughs> anyway, yes? I, I want to say it was 93... And I was working for a comic book store, Millennial Picnic, best comic store in the world. And we went down to a big trade show. Um, it used to be that there were a number of comic distributors. Now there's one. And they put on these big trade shows just for the industry people, comic book store owners. And let me tell you, if you've ever wondered if there really is a comic book store guy, I can tell you <laughs> that there's lots of them. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things at this show, which it turned out to be their last trade show ever was Mike Richardson, who was the president-chief of Dark Horse Comics, brought with him a kind of a big announcement. And the big announcement was, we're making a movie of The Mask. Now, Dark Horse is not a home-known name, oh. right? You don't bandy that name around. Everyone knows Marvel and DC because they have these big movies. Um, this was Dark Horse as a very much an up-and-comer putting their foot into the industry saying, yeah, we're not going away. 
because there'd been a lot of publishers that started popping up in the late mid to late 80s and a lot of them went away dark horse did not and they had a big gamble on this film because obviously a lot of money was being spent um and it if it had bombed i don't know if the company would have survived it or not and they had a test reel for us for all the retailers so about mm, again if i think it was 93 about a year before the mask was going to come out we got to see footage of it uh-huh. and we got to see the announcement and we were all like wow this looks great and of course we were excited because we thought it would bring people into comic stores which of course it didn't um comic movies never do but it was a really big deal and as as people working in the comic industry we were really excited and very much behind it and uh then of course it came out and was pretty big (laughs) um again just a little story of you know my trials and tribulations in the and of course diamond or diamond uh dark horse continued uh hellboy is their best known property it's been made into movies three times now yep um one of which is worth watching. <laughs> mm. uh, the second of which has some really cool visuals in it, but it, it doesn't hold is... together well. No, and the third one don't bother. Yeah. Um. I to be fair, I don't know if there's any of their other stuff that might have been turned into stuff. There might yeah, have been mystery men. Realize it. Oh, mystery men. That's right. Which I really like. I think it's a lot of fun, and again, an amazing cast. Uh, yeah. The the fact that most of the script is kind of as obviously improvised doesn't really do it a lot of favors, but it's a lot of fun. I remember liking it. I've only seen it once, but I remember liking it. Um, they didn't go make another one. Uh, and of course, you know, without Jim Carrey, I don't. I, you'd have to t- basically say we're going to do a mask too, but it's going to be a totally different. Yeah. Like when Dorian gets the mask, the bad guy, evil bad guy gets the mask, and it's obvious. The thing I like about his getting the mask, my feeling is that well, okay, the actor playing him just can't do what Carrey does. But I think the implication was he doesn't have the imagination. Yeah, that's that the thing. Dorian, does. when he wear three creatures or people or whatever wear the mask in this movie. Jim you know, Stanley Epkiss, Jim Carrey, Dorian the gangster, and Milo the dog. <laughs> and Dorian is the least interesting. He's really just dull. He doesn't do yeah. much. He's not imaginative. He's just like bad. I, I can spit bullets at people. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Very dull. And quite honestly, most of the movie, my favorite parts of the movie are when Jim Carrey's wearing the mask. Yeah. And the rest of the movie for me, is, it has some decent parts and some good performances and so forth, but it's all just waiting for the mask. Right. So I, I got to ask you, this was a major part of the movie, and there, there mm-hmm. are some mixed opinions. What do you think of the Cuban Pete sequence? I, I enjoy it. And I think it should be in there, if for no other reason that it keeps the tone of the film ridiculous. Um, Cuban Pete was probably best known before this as a number that Ricky Ricardo did on I Love Lucy. Ah, Ricky, you said I could go to the <laughs> club and be in the number with you. Have another scotch. Um I want to say it probably did show up in a cartoon at some point. Um, I don't know what or if it did. Um, there was a big thing about Cuban music in the 50s until certain things happened in the early 60s. That we, <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's fine. You know, does it add anything to the plot? No. Does it make trying to uh, justify Stanley Ipkiss's eventual release from police custody <laughs> hold up? No. <laughs> But it's fine. It's fun. I I think I liked it better. It's my favorite part of the movie. I love that whole sequence. Because not only does it show you 
Carrie just acting like a Warner Brothers cartoon because he you know, yeah. suddenly starts singing this number, yeah. Cuban Pete, which was, yeah, as you say, a Desi Arnaz song, and doing samba dancing. But he's surrounded by the pretty much the entire city police force, and his cartoonishness affects them, and they begin singing and dancing with him. And yeah. I love the image of the SWAT guys who are rappelling down a building suddenly start swinging back and forth in front of the <laughs> building in time to the music. And yeah. it's a great sequence. I, I will watch that. You can find that on YouTube. Look it up, The Mask, Cuban Pete. You'll find that sequence. It's, I think that's the best part of the movie. That, to me, is so much fun. I for me I think the best scenes of him as the mask are when he's dancing with Cameron Diaz because oh that's again, impressive as hell. I mean it's enhanced at the end when he like yeah. his legs twined together, but most of it's just them and it's this really high energy. There was this weird retro um, big band era thing going on in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, the and big like, bad voodoo daddies. Yep. But but you also had kids. It was this very brief period where parents really screwed up because suddenly, <laughs> especially guys, decided that they wanted to dress up and they were wearing nicer clothes and they were wearing pants yep. with suspenders. But that lasted There's, about five minutes. You know why? Why? Because parents were like, oh, isn't this great? And the kids were like, oh, the hell with that. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was the kids were going, oh, wow, this stuff's expensive. No, because they, they started coming out with, you know, more of that era clothing and stuff and uh i had a pair of pants that had suspenders attached the only time i've ever wore suspenders um and that kind of big band music was coming back you know briefly again this the whole swing thing and uh that number's a lot of fun it's a very it's very energetic if you've not listened to any swing music that stuff will make anybody want to dance even yeah. if you can't yep um it is so i like that scene i think visually the best but let me ask you something though how how well do you think this movie fits the criteria of this series? Because technically, there are no animated characters in it. It's all humans. It's just Car- Jim Carrey and the dog and Dorian for a while, and and him very slightly are sort of an- animation assisted. Well, I can answer this in three ways. The first way, the cheap way, is well, you picked it. <laughs> <laughs> the second way is, well, the movie isn't trying to fit our criteria, so who cares? And third, I think it is, it still fits because we're still dealing with something exceedingly unreal that's being impressed upon a quote-unquote real situation. Um, now, you might expand that question and say, well, how do you think they integrated the idea of an animated character in some way into real life? And I'll say, well, at least there's a story. There is a story. And um, it's the god Loki, because... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get back. Yeah, I know. Might as well talk about that. Ben Stein is in this movie yeah. playing a, an expert on masks, and he, disc- he tells Ipkiss about loki and norse mythology and he gets everything wrong yeah loki he says is a night god which first of all no he wasn't second of all norse mythology doesn't have that concept and saying that he was you know cast out of valhalla for being too mischievous first of all the gods don't live in valhalla that's where the dead warriors go second of all he was tied up by the entrails of his own son in a cavern beneath the earth because he was going to bring about the end of the world 
He didn't his wife had a bowl with poison from a snake that he she dripped into his eyes every day. No, no, she was trying to help him uh, while he was bound to the slab. A great viper was placed above him who would oh, drip poison right. into his eyes, and his wife would stand there with a bowl catching the poison, but she had to empty it every so often. And when she did, the poison would burn his eyes out. At least that's how it worked in the Sandman comics. No, that's that's <laughs> actually in the in the mythology. That makes sense because, of course, Neil Gaiman eventually wrote a book about Norse mythology. Yeah. So. so they got everything wrong. There is no yeah. no justification here. I think no. the movie fits our criteria simply because, in effect, it is an animated character. It's not just it's just not drawn. the The whole um, concept of the mask and the the effects and the way his powers manifest it is in effect drawing the world of cartoons into our world. And it's forcing the real world to conform to cartoon tropes. Like the fact that whenever he starts to interact with other people, like there's a street gang who want to beat him up and he starts making balloon animals for them, and they they immediately lose all their aggression and they suddenly, like they're little kids, like, oh, wow, this is so neat. Yeah. And you know, the way he gets the cops dancing or... <laughs> whenever sorry it's just with the balloon animals it's a giraffe it's a poodle it's a, a tommy, tommy gun, gun. <laughs> which fires real bullets and he again does not kill them but chases them off and when he is doing when he's doing his so-called death scene yeah he's, and he's he's dying in the arms of <laughs> <coughs> tell tiny tim i won't be home for christmas and the thug is, starts to cry and then when this little uh, when he jumps up and someone hands him a little fake Oscar and a strange sort of shadow audience appears at the bottom of the screen and he's doing an acceptance speech and Dorian and his henchmen are like straightening their clothing and checking their <laughs> hair like they believe they're on stage. I yeah. think this is very, I think it fits because it does bring the idea of the of cartoon reality into standard reality. It's actually one of the things that they don't emphasize and I wish they had. Because the reason that he turns into the character he does, we see it briefly. He opens his desk drawer at work and we see Warner Brothers comics. And then at home we see a couple of videotapes and we see the wolf lamp that was uh, Tex Avery's wolf character and, from MGM. And cartoon. he has, over his bed, he has paint pictures of Porky Pig and Daffy Duck. Right. And it's like, it's obvious. Oh, it isn't obvious. I wish it had been more obvious that the mask generates a character based on the inner imagination and general view of that person when dorian gets a mask as we said he's not very imaginative he does spit bullets which is almost out of character for that that's a little more version of the monster character but ipkiss he even says at one point when he's in jail he's talking to cameron diaz and he says i think the mask brings out what's inside you so if you're you know like me a sort of repressed hopeless romantic I notice he doesn't say and loves cartoons, which yeah. I think was more obvious. That that's what comes out. Yeah. So uh, one of the questions we often talk about is um, the integration of visuals. So the visual cartoons with the real world. Yeah, and I what's, I, what's, I think this does this beautifully, with one or two exceptions. For the time. It's 1994. Yeah, I know. When you consider, that was one of my questions, was how does this hold up 25 years later? And I think visually, it really holds up. I think it still looks good. You know, there's only one moment that I was watching that I have a little trouble with, and I had the same trouble when it first came out, and that is when Milo the dog is wearing the mask, and he's licking Carrie's face, and Carrie is pulling his head away, 
it doesn't look real. That's yeah, well, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and it's tough because they're trying to do 3D CG animation before it really was a thing, right? Yeah. So they're taking 2D characters and making them 3D, which Disney hasn't done yet and other people haven't done yet. And um, in general, they do a good job. They keep the energy, which is great. Carrie is able to keep up, which is quite honestly unbelievable. Yeah, and even the parts which are which are really cartoony, like when his head turns into the wolf's head, even when it doesn't work, it still kind of works. Yeah, it looks great. Or even in little things like when the police yell "freeze" and he suddenly <laughs> is covered in ice, <laughs> that somehow works. Yeah, and the weird little throwaway gags, like oh the. Uh, where he's pulling things out of his pockets to make the balloon animals. At one point, he pulls out a condom yeah. and goes, whoops, wrong pocket. That apparently was improvised. Yeah. <laughs> or when they're pulling, the cops are searching him and like, uh, let's see, one, you know, uh, small mouth bass, rubber nose, uh, pulls out uh, what is it, you know, uh, x-ray specs. Uh, those aren't mine. <laughs> Bazooka, I have a permit for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. His timing, he sounds like... It's, and it's all Carrie's voice there. He talks like a cartoon character. When he, he mugs to the camera, he breaks the fourth wall only as the mask, never as Stanley. But the mask will look right at the camera and make a comment just like Bugs Bunny would. And, and it works. And little things, like everything the mask does, ha- gets a sound effect. Right. When he throws something away, you hear like boing or thunk. <laughs> And only him. And yeah, I think the visually, I think it really, it still really holds up. There's actually one scene, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was the two cops, Otter and his friend there. Uh, and I know <laughs> he has another name, but I'm always going to think of him as Otter. Yeah, yeah, Callaway. Calloway, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're with the mask, and Carrie does something, and I see the guy who's playing Callaway turn and sort of pinch his nose, and it's like, oh, I bet he was trying not to laugh. I bet there was yeah, a I lot bet. of that. <laughs> um, I will say, however, this film does suffer from a couple of things. One of which, it suffers from backlotitis, which you may have heard of. It's when a film uh, is meant to look yes. like a real city, but you can tell <laughs> it's very much yes. a backlot. It very much is. And it doesn't help that I've been there. So it's like, oh yeah, yes. I know where that is. I know where that is. <laughs> um, but also, it's very, very 90s. Um, there are some styles in the nineties that I think as a race, we've forgotten until we go and watch <laughs> films like this. And it's the, Oh, right. Greasy ponytails was a thing. Oh, oh yes. right. We pulled our hair yes. back and made great. <laughs> and there were a lot of guys with, with very thinning hair yeah. or honestly got bald yeah. with long ponytails pulled back. And it's just yeah. nasty. It is just yes. gross. And I suppose it's all the bad guys, so it's like, I guess it, it fits. But even characters like Richard Jenny, he's wearing this suit, and it's Ugh. just it's just so 90s, and it's so pale. <laughs> it's just, it's got padded shoulders, because everybody had padded and, shoulders. And it's just, and it, wow, I'm glad that we survived this, but man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the clothing is, is very, very 90s. And there are, I guess, a few creepy moments. I think like the shot of Cameron Diaz when she comes in, they're focusing mostly on her cleavage. And one, and it's a throwaway, but it's still awkward, and I will bet you it was improvised, which she hands her coat to Richard Jenny, and as she's off talking to Jim Carrey, he leans over and starts sniffing it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, jeez. That's shaky. Um, Yeah. yeah. And I, okay. (laughs) 
Um, I, mm, I want to say too, there's a really weird moral of this movie. Um, it has a moral. Yeah. Well, I think there is, I think that while they don't come out and state, you know, Jimmy (laughs) or, or Timmy or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But the moral I get from this is if we're all good, if we're repressed and we like cartoons and we'll all end up with our own personal Cameron Diaz. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is very much a nerd fantasy. It's yeah. sort of up there with, you know, Ready Player One or... <laughs> and let's face it, Jim Carrey in this film, if we're going to classify him as a nerd, he's a high-functioning nerd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does have social skills. We assume he bathes. He changes his pajamas. <laughs> and and let's face it, he's also a little unconventional, but nice-looking. Yeah. I mean, you know, depending on how he molds his face. Exactly, how he, how he feels like looking at the moment. What's the fireman he used to play? Fire uh, Marshal Bill. Let Fire me tell Mar- you something. Because <laughs> he actually looked like his, he had very thin skin vaguely stretched over a skull when yeah, he did Yeah, I that. still don't know how he did that, because I don't think that was makeup. I think no, it was it's just him. Just, yeah, it was a bald yeah. wig and him. Um, all of the animation they were referencing is it's very specifically Tex Avery. Yeah. If you don't know Tex Avery, you probably do and don't know it. Um, he w- was very big with MGM. Uh, he did characters like that wolf character, which I don't know if the wolf has a name. Actually, it does. Ugh. And I've forgotten it. Oh, it does have I, a name. Really? I always thought it was just the wolf. No, he does have a name and I've forgotten it. Yeah. Uh, he's. Uh, this is not going to surprise you, I suppose. Very big in France. <laughs> <laughs> um. He did droopy, some droopy cartoons. Uh, um, but he be- did, did he do some Bugs Bunny? I th- uh, I think he did work for Warner Brothers briefly, yeah. but he moved off to MGM. And you can always tell a Tex Avery because his gags are the fastest, the snappiest, the, the quickest on the eye things that are done. And to be fair, he does repeat himself a few times and there's not tons and tons of Tex Avery cartoons, but he, when you see his style, you know, his stuff and they're, and they they have the lamp. The lamp was a a thing that was released in limited production. Um, and they have some VHS cassettes for those of you at home who don't know VHS. Oh yes. Yes. um, But they have, they've they've seen it in movies, I'm sure. Yeah. But (laughs) it was a real thing. I was thinking it's not just strictly Tex Avery. It's very, but it's very much Warner brothers. When he's doing the whole French routine, he's being Pepe Le Pew. Uh, they actually did the, that that French thing, which was supposed to be Charles Boyer. Uh, he got done, and everybody did him. Like eh. he showed up in lots of different. He did it at MGM. He did it at Warner Brothers. Um, and he was a French actor who was known for taking people apparently not to the Casbah, even though he's you know quoted as saying that he never yeah, said that. He never actually said it. No. Um, it was really more of that than it yeah. was Pepe Le Pew. Although Pepe Le Pew, of course, is doing Charles Boyer, so you know it, it all works around. Um, yeah, but I, I believe you'll find today's audiences will not know who Charles Boyer is, and they will know who Pepe Le Pew is. Um, yeah, he uh, he did a song which um, wouldn't really go over well today. Oh, um, I think I think you're thinking of Maurice. That's Maurice for che- little girls. That's ah! Maurice. That's Maurice Chevalier. Oh, same thing. <laughs> it is not the same thing. <laughs> I'm pretty that, much if you look up if you they're, they're pretty the, much the same guy. That's the main song from Gigi. And yes, it really doesn't translate well. Especially it if has, you're like 65. Yeah, it's it's not, it that is a song that has not aged well at all, although which is too bad because it's actually a very pretty song. And if you look at it in the innocence of the 60s, such as it was, 
It's fairly harmless, but yeah, now, out of context, yikes. Yeah, no, just, yeah. All right, Chevalier, uh, Boyer, whatever. Uh, <laughs> One of them the yays. They're the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All Frenchmen are the same person. <laughs> <laughs> and they all like cheese. <laughs> Uh, so we, we haven't insulted a whole country in a long time. I yeah, was, what are uh, they going to do? Surrender at us? Oh, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> for, for our French listeners. Yeah. Um, Come on, try something, you cheese-eating surrender monkeys. <laughs> do you, uh, you have any other talking points? What did you think of the final showdown, the final fight? Um, I love the fact that the dog gets the mask. And I also love the fact that the dog does not care one way or the other whether it gets the mask or not. Um, the dam- <sighs> Milo the dog. All right. So if you are um, b- blessed <laughs> to have a Jack Russell Terrier. They are um, very cute. They really are. Yeah, for about five seconds. And then they break something. Oh. They're just... They, yeah. They are the dogs that need things to do. They're they, working uh, dogs. Oh, very much. And they are, they really are terrorists. They, they, they shred things. They eat things. They destroy things. Um, about the only way you can calm a Jack Russell is if you feed it enough that it can't move. <laughs> um, I love the fact that they give the dog the mask. And quite honestly, the dog is the second best cartoon character in yeah. the movie. I don't yeah. mean when it's wearing the mask. I just mean in general. <laughs> it really is. That dog, it behaves very much like dogs in cartoons. Yes. Yeah. No real life dog is that clever. Well, especially when he's arguing with it. He's in the jail. Hey, a jail cell that actually has an open window to the outside. Yeah. yeah uh, we won't even so talk much. about weather conditions, never mind security. Uh, <laughs> but he's like, the guard is asleep, and he the dog he gets the dog inside the cell, and then he tells the dog, go get the keys, and the dog picks up a slice of Swiss. He's like, no, no, not cheese, keys. <laughs> and, <laughs> and earlier the dog's like, oh, oh, those. And earlier Stanley can't find his car keys right. or his house keys, and he goes, Milo, get the keys. The dog finds his keys for him in the couch cushions. Well, even that better, is he, a hell, he, that is a heck of a dog. He looks for them, and yeah. the first place he looks is not where they are. No. He, so he goes looking other places, and he finds them. He's like, I got them. And, of course, every time the dog gets something and Carrie goes to get it out of the dog's mouth, the dog <laughs> suddenly reverts to just Jack Russell's like, no, 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 I'm not letting go of anything. And Carrie's going, drop it, drop it, which you know is supposed to be the key phrase. And the dog's not, forget the Frisbee. Because once <laughs> the dog gets, it's like he lifts the dog by the Frisbee. The yep. dog, nope, nope. <laughs> they are tenacious little bastards, those those car, those dogs. But uh, uh, the the big scene where we get all three people who are going to wear the mask, um, I think that they, in a way, they don't do enough with Damien. Um, Damien just sort of gets shot and goes, ha, 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 you can't hurt me. And then he spits the bullets back, and that's that's fine. But and I think I want to know: uh, Did you look to see is the same actor playing him with the mask as with not? Because he I, suddenly yeah. gains about two necks. Yeah, no, they yeah the neck was made up too. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was latex also. It was the same guy. Yeah, Dorian in general is a really boring character. He's just yeah. a he is a cookie cutter. He's just like ah, I am a bad guy. I am a gangster, and I treat everybody like crap and. But at least I don't uh, have a ponytail. <laughs> but yes, thank God for that. I, I don't have a ponytail. Um, I I kind of wish that, the, of course, if they had done too much more with him, the movie would have gotten dark because I think that his inner 
you know, person is this horribly maladjusted, torturous yeah. soul, and it would have gotten ugly and, and you know, bloody. Um, but, you know, the, the way that, that Cameron Diaz tricks him out of the mask, sure. Yeah, that would be, uh, that made sense. It would p- appeal to his ego. Yeah. I did like the way they changed the way the mask looked a lot. Yeah. No, no, they, um, on all three of them, it looks very different for each one. And that's for, that's a nice touch. They don't take it as far as they could, though, because mm. it's supposed to be, supposedly, <laughs> if you believe Ben Stein or his money, <laughs> uh, the god Loki, which now we have to guess is a real thing, right? Because that's the only explanation we're given for that mask, yeah. is that an actual Norse god existed at one point, and that god is now in this wood. <laughs> wood. There's never a, 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 never a scene, I believe, that wood is, that mask is made of wood. No. Um, in this, has been imprisoned in this wooden mask. And he's a trickster god, so he likes to cause tricks and fun, and uh, yeah. depending on who the puts it on. on. Well, that so, means that like all of them, like Odin and Thor and Freya, they're all real, too. Right, and we all know that they're all owned by Marvel, so that yes. can't work. Yeah, in, um, in The Son of the Mask, both Loki and Odin show up as characters. Okay, and that may have happened in the comic, I don't know. Um, and I'm actually glad that they did decided, let's not do the dark thing, because I don't think it would have worked. No, I think- the, the comic book was really nasty. I mean, it was basically a horror book. Yeah, I yeah. I, especially you've got Jim Carrey, you wouldn't use him for horror. But no. that being said, I, I think the concept would not have... I'm not sure the concept would have worked any other way. Uh, you'd almost believe if somebody said, well, they there was no comic and there was no movie there, they're like, we need to make something up for Jim Carrey. He started doing stuff and then they made a movie and a comic around that. I could <laughs> almost believe it. <laughs> I, I could see that. But uh, I think the end scene, I wish that there had been a little bit more to it somehow there wasn't Um, enough of the mask in it for my taste i mean they're they're obviously emphasizing you know stanley actually goes goes up and fights dorian which didn't make any sense i'm sorry a a hardened criminal who's fought his way up through the streets up against a bank clerk yeah who has as far as we can tell no combat training he, he wouldn't have lasted 20 seconds but he likes cartoons. He likes cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted. I wish I had seen. We, they the mask only does a couple of things there. Yeah. I mean, I do like the when he pulls out the entire arsenal of fire firepower and does the Clint Eastwood impression. Yeah, and that's funny. And I like that he eats the bomb. That's very cartoonish. Yeah, but there was, Yeah, I, I didn't think there was enough of him in that. Speaking of the ending. I think oh. we uh, we might be at that point, don't you? Yeah. Well, almost. I just want to say one other thing, and that is the actual ending. Uh, I thought Ipkiss was being remarkably stupid. He throws the mask off a bridge. And I'm right there with Richard Jenny because he jumps off the bridge after it. Now, to be fair, he doesn't. Cameron Diaz throws the mask oh, off right, the bridge. Oh, right, right. He gives it to her and she tosses it away. But, you know, he's giving it up. It's right. like, okay, fine. You don't want to be the mask. You don't want to do that. You don't just throw that thing out there for someone else to run across. Right, especially since it floats. Yeah. Because <laughs> it will be, oh, I guess half an hour tops before somebody finds it. Yeah. So um, that, 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 was, that was my problem with that. But yes, that, that's pretty much all I've got. The Roundup. So, Max. Yes. I'm sure you saw this when it came out. I have seen this movie many times. I saw it in the theater at least twice. I've seen it on uh, cable or on TV a bunch of times. Does it hold up? Yes. As a film. Yes. 
I think it really does. It's still a lot of fun. I don't get, it's hard to get tired of Jim Carrey doing his shtick back when it was fresh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Again, I, I say I have I will if I'm in a if I'm feeling low sometimes I will go onto YouTube and just find the Cuban Pete sequence because I like it so much. What about what about you? What do you think? As a movie, I don't think it holds up. Oh. Um, and I think that the reason that it doesn't hold up is quite honestly the parts that aren't Jim Carrey. Um, they are very. Uh, there's not a lot of thought put into them. They're very stereotypical. They're very two dimensional. Um, even the settings and the way it's shot feels low budget, even if it's not that low budget. Um, it's very back lot. Um, it's a little slow and that's one of the problems when you've got mixing cartoons and real life is that you've got these periods of very high frenetic energy and then you have real people. And even when most real people are being energetic, they can't compete. And, I don't know. It was Industrial Light and Magic that did the effects for this, which is why they look as good as they do. Um, and really, you're just waiting for Carrie. You're waiting for him. To, even when he's Stanley, yeah. he's still, you know, pretty entertaining. Although, when he's like, oh, I'm, I've been put upon again, there's still this kind of smirk going on because it's Jim Carrey. And you can't really feel that badly for Stanley because... <laughs> You know, who wouldn't want to be Jim Carrey? Well, I suppose Cameron Diaz probably doesn't want to be Jim Carrey. <laughs> um, that being said, it's worth watching for his performance. No, I, um, I agree. I think the part, the rest of the movie is filler for Jim Carrey. Yeah. I, I and, can see that. But. Um, but you, you, you need something for him to work against, but it's not, it's not very interesting. Um, and it's not very inspired. But that being said, we're not talking, you know art house here we're talking no this Jim is Carrey. this is just dopey fun yeah dopey but, fun but it looks really good and again i think it does a really nice job of base of blending the cartoon world with the real world it does and it even the fact that the mask has the power to draw people into the perspective of the person wearing it is a really i want to say subtle and reasonable explanation as to why people don't freak out about there being cartoons in their real life because they're sort of mesmerized into accepting it. So of the ones we've seen so far, it's actually kind of the best explanation. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like, Oh, Warner brothers exist in the center of the earth for no yeah. reason. <laughs> That's right. So. And there, there's cool world because Hey, look yeah. a monkey. <laughs> yeah. But speaking, speaking of best so far, what's coming up next? A movie I know literally nothing about is a film that came out and it has people in it <laughs> and there's animation. Yeah. I know nothing about, I think it has something to do with mucus, uh, to be fair. Oh, um, that that's it. Uh, it is a film that blipped on my radar for half a second and then went away. It is a film called osmosis Jones. I've and, never seen this either. I've seen some clips. I have a basic idea of what it's about, but I never saw it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those movies that, that mixes animation and, people i have no idea how they do it i don't know if they're on screen at the same time i hope so because otherwise we picked a bad movie but yeah next week we're going to osmos with this film and you can come and osmos with us yeah we're gonna osmosey along now Uh, you know i don't think this is kansas anymore um it's osmos get it oz that's it we're done i have no ending you're fired bumpy suit up
Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.